Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box podcast, tensions at Channel 10 as on-air stars refuse to work with each other. A streaming game changer, the programming move that could change the way we watch TV and the programming move by Channel 7 that is dividing the TV Black Box team. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. We'll meet the panel in just a tick, but first, it was during this week a showbiz powerhouse celebrated. Entertainment Tonight aired its 2,500th show in 1991. The nightly showbiz program has now broadcast over 12,500 episodes. Keen TV fanatics will also remember we had our own local version hosted by Richard Wilkins back in 1999 on 9. Time to meet the panel as we go down that marvellous path. Robbo, the legendary TV performer, is with us. Hello, Robbo. Hello there, Robert. Great to be with you. The viewer's advocate, Malk, is with us. Hello, Malk. I'm Mary Hart, and I'm John Tesh. Mm. Aaron Ryan, <laughs> the expert when it comes to programming, is over in Perth for us. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Hello, gorgeous people. And actress extraordinaire Sarah Monaghan is also with us. Hello. I'm in Boston, and it's my birthday, bitches. Happy Woo! birthday to you. <laughs> Very aggressive Happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> what are it's you, 30? I am. What do you want? Um, I am 45. 45 and still alive. <laughs> Just. Yeah, thanks. Gosh. It's going to be All one right. of those episodes. Let's get into it because there's trouble in paradise over at 10 News First. The network's political editor, Peter Van Onselen, is refusing to do live crosses with some of his colleagues. It all has to do with the bullying lawsuit brought by reporter Tegan George against PBO and some executives. When Tegan announced she was suing the network, presenters Lachlan Kennedy and Narelda Jacobs publicly supported her by donating money for her legal fees. The Daily Mail reports that PBO is clearly not happy and has now refused to do any live crosses with either of them. What do you reckon, Malk? Fair enough? Straight up unprofessional behaviour from PVO. Um, it doesn't matter what people do in their spare time. You are paid to do a job, which includes taking and throwing crosses to and from those uh, various people in, within the organisation. If you have a problem with them, you need to go to HR and sort it out. Uh, acting petulantly and refusing to do crosses or uh, add links into stuff from Lachlan and Narelda, I think, is just childish behaviour on his part. Malt, yeah. in the day of wokeness, don't we all oh, have God, Robert, the right starting this already. to be in a safe workspace? <laughs> 
And if he feels vilified by two of his co-workers who are supporting a lawsuit being brought against the network and claims against him, doesn't he have the right to feel, to have a safe space? Robbie has the right to go to HR and make a complaint and allow them to work through the issue with him and the other people in the complaint. It's not up to him to just go, I don't like them, I'm not going to talk to them. I mean, the man is meant to be an adult and I have to say his behaviour right now is anything but. Well, Sarah, I've got to say that I don't blame him two iotas. These people have supported, and I, I, I need to be clear, none of us are making any suggestion on whether the allegations made by Tegan George are true. As someone who has taken on Channel 10, I fully support her right to do that. Uh, I have been in legal back and forth with 10, um, so I'm not casting any aspersions on that, nor the claim she's making. But there have been serious claims, Sarah. She has claimed bullying. He's named in that action against Channel 10. And here you have two people on air presenters publicly supporting her, thereby implying that what she's saying is right. Yeah, I'm going to go with Petty Van Obstinate uh, is uh, just showing that he is being a child and that if you cannot work with your co-workers while you're going through this, it just shows that you probably are everything that they are mm. accusing you of being. Mm. What if the issue was on the other foot and it was Neralda Jacobs refusing to do live crosses with Peter Van Onselen? Just say she had been accused of bullying. I'm guessing that she would be adult enough to still work. Would the same people having a go at PVO, would the same people having a go at PVO be supporting Neralda? and her right to be in a safe environment, would the narrative change because when it's not PVO? I don't think so. I think most people are still adult enough. I'm going to call bullshit on that because a lot of the commentary I have received since my article has been, how can you support him? He's such a shithead. He is such like, a shithead. I'm, I'm not supporting the man. I'm supporting the idea. The idea that he can act unprofessionally. Well, that's what you call it. There's a difference between a one-off and somebody who is consistently a dickhead to women in the media. Um, no, but he's constantly a dickhead. Like, he went after Grace Tame in a thing, and then they came after him on the project to be like, what are you talking about? And he just, like, doubled down. And then, like, he's just consistently... So it is about the man. It is about the man. He's consistently rude to women. Like, and, right, but and, and he, if, like, if someone was a dickhead to me on air, I would still be a grown-up enough to work with them and do what I needed to do to get my job done. Well, I, I'm a dickhead to you every week and you turn up, so I'll, 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 agree, I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here at 4 a.m. every week, <laughs> you know. But to me, if you if you were refusing to work with people, it just shows that you are what people are accusing you of and you're just making yourself look worse. Like, just uh, well, be I don't an adult think you can make and do those, your fucking job. As, uh, I don't think you can make that assertion when this is before the court. Aaron, you wanted to jump in. Oh, I, I was just going to say... Um you know, you probably can ring the bell. I actually agree with Malk on something. But, um, like, in, in terms of PVO, um, if he doesn't want to do an interview that is going, that someone's going to come against him during that interview, then I can see no reason why he, he should not refuse it. But if he's just refusing to do it across to someone like Narelda Jacobs because she's talking about the flood crisis or something, 
then he should act absolutely excuse himself because he's simply not doing his job um, and that's not benefiting anyone. And it would be the same the other way around. If Narelda Jacobs was not crossing to PVO for whatever cross that he needed to do, then she should excuse herself as well. I just think it's, I think it's completely unprofessional. In yet another nail in the coffin of free-to-air television, Disney has announced the next two seasons of the mega-hit Dancing with the Stars US will air exclusively on Disney+. Plus. According to ABC America, the move is to allow Monday Night Football to be broadcast in Dancing's time slot. Live sport is appearing more and more on streamers, including Stan here in Australia, but this will be the first for a light entertainment show to move from broadcast to streaming only. Well, Sarah, this is a huge, huge move when you are taking a brand like Dancing with the Stars and making it a streaming only event. Yeah. Um, I guess it's still popular here in the US, so maybe. I mean, mean, everybody here has cable anyway, though. Like, nobody watches free-to-air, so it's not that big a deal. Um, That I mean, in Australia, I think it would be a big deal. I think you're underplaying the significance of this, Sarah. uh, I think think in Australia it would be a big deal if they did it there, but here it's like it's literally you have to have, like, cable, so. Yeah, but there's a difference between cable and streaming. Robbo, what do you think? Do you think this is... The ABC and Disney saying we are really standing behind the future online streaming. Yeah, this is huge to have this. It's a massive brand for ABC America, a massive brand for broadcast network television. And to say we're going to move it over here, they're not changing the format. It is still the same show, but will just be on streaming. It is almost like they're saying, look, we're biting the bullet. We know what's happening. Uh, free-to-air network television will not be around for a long, long time, but streaming will. This is uh, the, the place to do it. They're also choosing to do it, you know, it's. It, I think it's the early 30s uh, number of seasons that Dancing with the Stars 31 and 32. Uh, so it's not, it, you know, it's not at its height of popularity, but it's still popular. And they're moving it over as a test case, but it's still a test case. It's still popular enough not to just uh, have the idea behind it that it's just being shuffled off to they're a streamer. This, this is still a big off. brand. Yeah, yeah they, they, that's right. This is still a massive brand. I think this is almost a test case uh, to see how it works. Mm. Does it transfer over? Because this is what's going to happen more and more. This is just the beginning. The floodgates are about to open. Aaron, to me, this is like Channel 9. Putting maths on, oh, no, not even stand close, and yeah. only having it on stand. Well, that's exactly what it is. Because we all thought if this is not about Dancing with the Stars, it's about that we thought that you know the streamers would be big with with continuing series like Game of Thrones. But it seemed that at one stage that free to wear would be the home of live sport, local news, and live type reality programs like yeah. Australian Idol, Married at First Sight, Dancing with the Stars. With sport now more prominent on streaming services um, and now, you know, Dancing with the Stars being a big franchise in America and screening on Disney+, Plus, it leaves free-to-wear with only local news as the only difference between free-to-wear and a streaming company. And I think that's massive. It's a massive step. Hang on, friends. Let's get some perspective on this, right? I agree that Dancing with the Stars has been a marquee franchise for ABC. Has been. As, as we said, Robbo, it's season 31 and season 32. We are in the wane of that franchise's career, and I think it gives it a little bit of extra life by putting it onto Disney Plus and provides an, an additional reason why American people would want to subscribe. If they are fans, they will 
line up if they haven't already, right? It, for Disney, it is all about getting people under that streamer. The challenge is it is not the same as putting maths on by any stretch. Maths is at the absolute height of its power, and Dancing with the Stars is nowhere near it. So I think you I think you missed the point though, Mock. It's not about Dancing with the Stars versus Married at First Sight. It's you guys just live... made it about that. Holy shit! This is the situation we face. It's about putting live reality, which has never been on a streamer before, a live program now is going to a, to a streamer, which is huge news. It's it's not. I, I'll actually stand by my argument that it is like putting maths on stand. It's, it's a very big not. deal. They are they are two very different in two very different stages of their career. I agree it's a big thing, Aaron. I'm I'm I agree that it signals a big shift in the way that Disney Plus, for example, and ABC are particularly programming for their audience. It is not the same, Rob, as putting maths on because maths is killing over like two million viewers every episode. Dancing with the stars in America, comparatively speaking, is not pulling that. So what's it this pulling? Is, it's not well. Again, we're going to compare apples to oranges because the Australian television audience is very different to the American audience. I understand the difference in American ratings, but what is it pulling now compared to what it was pulling? Last time I looked, well, it's down nearly fifteen million viewers per episode based on what it was doing at its peak to what it's doing now. But it's still one of the biggest shows on ABC. It's definitely in their sort of top five shows. It's it's it's, it's still pretty huge over there. That's why it's a big deal that it's moving to Disney+. Plus. I, I, I don't have the figures in front of me. I actually don't believe it is one of their top five shows, which in part is why they're moving it to Disney+, Plus because it is something that has legacy, something that they, they know that audiences will follow, but it's not in their top five. If it was in their top five, they'd be scheduling it you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever it is, the big night for them that it used to run on, that it drew all of the figures. It's just not pulling those numbers. Well, they're moving it over there because of Monday night football's coming to ABC um, and they're showing games there, so it's going to lose its time slot. So, I mean, that was one of the reasons that it was going going anyway. But but it's it's still a massive thing, though, to happen, isn't it? Yeah. I, and I guess if we go back to that and, and, and uh, lose the comparison for a moment, the, the big thing is a, a massive brand uh, may not still have the ratings, but it is moving from what is a traditional broadcast TV space, like Aaron was saying, in the way of um, that was kind of one of the last things that network TV had for it, and now it's only got news. I said it's a significant change. I said it's a significant change. But just to quickly circle back into the sport thing, in Australia at least, the sport that is landing exclusively on streamers is tier three at best. I agree with that. 100% agree with that. We're looking towards the future and what these changes mean. But everybody... In a moment of kumbaya, I think we can all agree on this next story because the Big Red Book is back. We knew that. This is your life is set to return to screens later this year on 7. What we didn't know was that it would now be hosted by Melissa Doyle. Yes, she's been announced as the new host and says she's honoured to be in the role. Mulk, surely we can find some common ground here and agree that this is a marvellous bit of casting. Wow, I have no idea what just happened. Congratulations to Melissa Doyle on getting the hosting gig for This Is Your Life. I think she'll do a spectacular job. She's a great presenter, uh, and it will, to be fair, then only be as good as the people they get and the production team behind her. I'd expect that because it's in primetime, Seven will want to make sure that it's a huge success, so they will throw all they can at it. And, And I think that we are at the point where because we haven't had it on air for a few years we're going to get the benefit of some stars like within our lifetimes to be able to be profiled. 
And I think that that is going to be that that heavy, heavy nostalgia hit that This Is Your Life is will pay off in that regard. I think it's marvellous, Aaron. Marvellous. Yeah, absolutely. Professional, gorgeous, warm presenter. She'll fit into this role perfectly. Well, unless there are any objections, I think we can all declare this is a good one. Judge Rob has spoken. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Look at the props Sorry? How many props? Too many. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after a high-rating first special in 2021, Seven is returning Hey Hey It's Saturday with a series of three specials this year. The first one is titled Hey Hey It's 100 Years, and viewers in Melbourne and Adelaide will see the special this Sunday at 7pm on Sunday. But viewers in Sydney, Brisbane and Perth We'll have to wait until the following Sunday to see the special with Seven, having split scheduling on the 24th of April due to a Sunday night AFL game. Now, I should have split this up a bit more, but, Malk, I know you have some thoughts. I think that um, Seven and Nine are experienced in split scheduling, both of them. They do it every week, particularly on Thursday nights when the AFL and the NRL are on. They, They play those sports to their respective markets, and they bounce the stuff to multi-channels for the markets that it's not in, they do it fine, right? They do it yep. fine. Yep. They know what they're doing. Um, I, The thing that, that hits it for me in that why would you split the airing of a special like this, which your purporting is so important to you, into these guys get it this week and these guys get it this week, and not just everybody gets it in the first week. Like, why would you not do that? Aaron. I'm going to come to you because isn't the answer to that AFL? No, the exactly. AFL's on the second week. There is a thing called a split schedule, and as Mong says, it happens every Thursday and, and Friday night. On this occasion, it's happening on Sunday the 24th of April because Seven have an AFL game on the main channel in Melbourne and Adelaide. That means something must air in Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. Now, option one is obviously to screen the AFL nationally on the main channel, but that would be a suicide for seven because it, it won't rate uh, at all in Sydney, Brisbane, and you know because Perth screens are earlier on. They'll get it earlier, sure, yeah. Um, so that that really is not an option. It's a free pass then to send viewers to MasterChef and um, Lego Masters. Option two is to play filler programming in Sydney, and Brisbane, like Border Security or a movie, which would then obviously send viewers to to, to MasterChef and Lego Masters as well. They could run it nationally on Easter Sunday. That's possible. However, you would still need something that is potentially high rating for Sydney and Brisbane and Perth on the 24th of April to split the schedule. And whatever you choose is not going to be screened in Melbourne and Adelaide and we would be back here having the same conversation. It is, it is not a serialised show. It's a retrospective special. It doesn't have spoilers and stuff. So Seven are obviously going to have a huge night that night with having the AFL on one channel and then and then Hey Hey on the other channel. And then Melbourne and Adelaide get to see it in, in all its glory um, on Easter Sunday. And, you know, putting, a, putting the football... The other option I was going to mention too is putting the football on Seven Mate in Melbourne and Adelaide and screening Hey Hey nationally is a disaster as well because it's asking Melbourne people to choose between the AFL and Hey Hey. And that, that's not good either. They probably there, actually no... can't do that, Aaron, because of their agreement with the AFL. Well, probably. But I just don't see how... What possible option would you have then to, for it to screen nationally and have something screen on the 24th of April when the AFL's on. What are you going to put up again? Here, can, if I can jump in, guys, because sure. I think we both know, we all know your positions on this. 
But I can actually see both sides of the argument. Split programming to get the most out of the AFL. You've got a scheduling problem in um, Sydney and Brisbane. It actually makes sense from that point of view. And you just have to go with the fact you're not going to get the ratings in the official ratings year for Hey Hey It's Saturday in Melbourne and Adelaide. But the offset is you're going to get huge ratings by having a Sunday night game of AFL. I actually think this is quite clever. Having said that, to come to Malt's point, what you lose is the buzz of being able to drive a national audience to one event. And and in this world now where everything's on social media and people are tweeting and, you know, you're seeing messaging everywhere, it's not like you can just open the TV week for your local editions anymore. Everything is national. It will hurt from that point of view. But you know what? I think we will deal with it. And I, I think it'll be fine. Uh, it's a shame that it's not a national event. I think there actually will be spoilers in it. When you give that that seven have already been promoting that there'll be a big tribute to Ernie Carroll as a part of this uh, special. Um, I mean, pardon me, but no spoilers. He he has passed away. But the notion that they want to, you know, um, that they want to do a tribute to him and those sorts of things, guaranteed that'll be online. People will be able to see it. And if that was a thing that they were going to tune in for, in the other markets, they don't have to tune in. I, I think you highlighted it, Rob. Seven can do whatever they want, right? It's their gig. Merry Christmas to them. They absolutely risk losing Sydney, Brisbane, and Perth by not playing it with them at the same time. In the because because of the fact that it's this special, it is they're making a big deal out of it. Look, I don't even want to start on the name. Hey, hey, a hundred years. I can only reason why that they've called I it love like that. that. The only reason they've called it that is because that's what it's going to feel like to watch it. That you've oh, aged a hundred okay. years. If I'm ringing the <laughs> bell metaphorically. But but what I just want to ask: What is the actual option that you, you're putting forward? Because the 24th of April is the first Sunday back of the ratings period after the two week non ratings period. So that's going to be a huge. Well, we can ignore the non ratings AF, right? It's not a thing anymore. Well, it, they it, all program no, for 48, well, 50, 52 weeks a year. So but at the end us. of the year, um, but that's another topic. But at the end of the year, they're going to have who won the survey year. So the survey starts on the 24th well, actually, of April. It'll be calendar bit, year, right? Like all the results it, we got out of everyone was calendar it's the year. Big night for, it's the big night for seven. What do you propose at seven port uh, with the AFL screening in Melbourne and Adelaide? What, what I'll take that as a comment in? and not a question because people... They can put anything. Anything. Like a repeat of Dever Wells Prada, like they're actually going to run after but no, it now. But in fairness to Aaron Mulk, nothing's going to rate the way Hey Hey It's Saturday will. Exactly. I, I do take Aaron's point here. Nothing's going to rate like Hey Hey. Seven, <coughs> I actually think Maybe. it's a masterstroke to be able to do this because they're going to have a gangbuster of a night. But you know what? We know that you guys disagree on this because I need to get to this next thing because let's get ready to rumble! Monday night, we'll see the launch of the next big phase of television as Lego Masters takes on The Voice, takes on MasterChef. Easter Monday is going to be a very big night for Australian television as we start to get an indication of where the networks are heading for Q2 in the ratings. Robbo, three big shows. It's actually going to be a battle royale. 
Oh, Battle Royale, 7, 9 and 10, right where they need to be, at each other's throats. It's going to be a fantastic <laughs> night of television. Uh, you've got, you know, you, you, you're building. We're building everything in that place, aren't we? We're building new singers. We're building uh, wonderful Lego and we're also building cooking. And it's just, it excites me, that kind of television. It's the kind of television that Australia can do now. And I just want to see Netflix and Stan keep their hands off those wonderful properties because they belong on free-to-air television. Um, it, it is <laughs> what? It is. Quite interesting, isn't it, Sarah? That this is the next phase. I'm just moving on. I don't know what that was about. It was almost. Me neither. A, it was a politician's answer. And <laughs> Anthony Albanese, do you actually know what's on TV on the on Easter Monday? Yes, it's um, uh, it's Mulray. Yeah, that's all I could think of. At the time. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll run your press conference <laughs> apologising in a moment. Uh, wow. It's very family friendly. Wow. It is very family friendly. I love the mm. random show, Mulroy. It's the only show in my head. Oh. Um, oh, Sarah, wow. you're right. It's very family friendly. And we've obviously come off the bitchiness of uh, maths. And so Nine are giving, giving us a, a palate cleanser with Lego Masters. So we're having nice TV up against nice MasterChef and nice The Voice. Um, I've got to say, for my mind, I think Lego Masters will come out in front, followed by The Voice and MasterChef. This is not to disparage any of those three mm. offerings because I think they are mm. all very strong offerings. They're not in the maths category, but they're very strong, Aaron. Yeah, this is a hard one because The Voice wasn't up against LEGO Masters last time mm. and MasterChef should be stronger than last year because they're having, you know, the fans versus favourites yeah. special, which, which rated higher, the, you know, the previous year. Look, I think... The Voice will be first, um, then Lego Masters and MasterChef. But I don't think it's going to be a giant win or any giant losses to anyone. I think everyone will have something to crow about after after the ratings come in. It's it's a hard one. I see a shaking of the head there, Mulk. Oh, this is the most evenly matched that the the commercial networks will be all year. There is there is no question about it. There, there. But all three are legacy franchises. Seven have really reinvented the voice and, and are doing mm. it's done good things for them. Lego Masters is an absolute breakout hit for Nine and will continue to be so, I'm sure. And I think the inclusion of past contestants, particularly uh, Julie Goodwin and Alvin Quar, so some of those historic, you know, first couple of seasons MasterChef contestants against, you know, Instagram and TikTok cooks like faves uh, fans coming in is going to make for great television so that's going to mean that they're in a really interesting Mm. position unfortunately what it does is undoes this theory that the easter non-ratings period exists because they're all launching them on the monday of the second week of this absolutely now defunct period that they still continue to insist is a non-ratings period but they're all three of them are launching a massive week next week. It's not even just them. There's a whole bunch of shows that are running for all of the networks starting in that second week of the ratings break, uh, which, honestly, we, we just have to give up to you about the ratings, non-ratings periods. It's just 52 weeks a year and everybody lines up and has a go. Although this this week's a bit of a dead week. Oh, and last week for some reason. After, Mar- after Married at First Sight, Australian Survivor and Dancing with All the Stars finished, it fell in a hole. There was yeah, nothing you on TV. You couldn't launch in that period. You'd oh, no, but that, that's right. We got to that period and there was nothing, and now this week's nothing. So, mm. I mean, they do program for 52 weeks a year, Rob. It's just they don't really try <laughs> some of them. Yes. So give us your uh, order, Malk. Um, Robert, Robert has and so have I. What's your 
Who's first, second, and third? Oh, look, as much as I would love to see MasterChef get up, I think it's going to be the perennial third, and the struggle will be between The Voice and Lego. Uh, and I suspect, again, only out of, as you said, Aaron, they've never come up against each other. Um, I, I suspect it'll be a Lego Masters by, like, a, a, a four-by-one brick. It'll be Ooh. by nothing. Malk and I have got a jinx. We're snap. We're on the same page. Sure. Thanks, Rob. Is the universe about to crack? Yeah, I Rob, know. And I agree. <laughs> Rob and I agree on many things. And as Hold we've on to tonight, seats, everyone. Aaron and I agree on things as well. So, I mean, what's happened to the podcast? <laughs> All right. Last week was the final week of survey ratings before heading into the two-week Easter period with the huge numbers for Married at First Sight's reunion episodes and the decent showing for Underbelly Vanishing Act. Team Blue was able to claim the network week with 31.1%. Team Red wasn't too far behind at 28%. 10 was on 169 and the ABC 15.6 and SBS 8.3. 7-2 and 7-mate tied for top multi-channel. 7 won the 6pm news battle with 943,000 viewers to 9 on 849,000. In Michael Pell's final week, Sunrise triumphed with 262,000 viewers over today on 224,000. Married at First Sight on 9, Dancing with the Stars on 7 and Australian Survivor on 10 were standout programs for each network. Concerning ratings continue for Q&A on Thursday nights and 10's coverage of the A-League is pulling their Saturday night primary share to being fifth channel for the night. The channel only bested three other channels by less than one share point. And with the end of week nine in survey comes the end of Q1. Survey year to date as a network, nine leads with a 30.1% share. But with a stronger performance this year and the Winter Olympics, seven lifts three share points to 28.9% with 10 almost half of its rivals on 15.8%. In primary shares, 9 is the leader on 22.5, 7, 20.3, 10 on 10%. So as we head into Q2, the margin between 9 and 7 as a network is just 1.2 share points. We are now in the first two weeks of non-ratings, and that means no maths, which meant no win for 9 on Sunday night. Janet Jackson on 9 could only muster 310,000 viewers. 7 took out Sunday night off the back of 7 News, border security, and code 1 minute by minute. Do we have any thoughts on those? It was a messy week last week, Rob. Um, yeah. When we saw, you know, really all of the networks after Monday night just went to bed. Not much happened. And then they only woke up again because it was sport on Thursday. And even those games didn't rate very well. Um, I will tell you that you can tell the school holidays are on. Because uh, Monday morning's breakfast programs, all of them fell in the toilet. Sunrise rated 201,000 five-city metro nationally. Um, That's horrendous figures for them. Yeah, it is. But everyone's gone away. Everyone's just not watching TV in the morning like they normally are when they're going to Mm. school and work. Um, So, look, I I think that we have – it'll be a big, big, like, chunky rest of the year when we look at ratings. But right now it's just going to be – who gives a crap? Like even looking at the rate, the primetime ratings for last night, it was a bleh. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting though that for the last couple of years, Seven have had to play catch up, um, you know, for months and months because of the big Q1 that, that Nine has had. But they're almost on a level playing field. So I think Seven will be back in front um, well and truly before the Commonwealth Games. And then after that, they might possibly be way ahead. So it'll be, I think it'll be a, quite a different year to last year. I just think it's adorable that 10 is 10. <laughs> it's adorable that the station number is also its percentage share. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
sometimes things just work out. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Sarah will have the hatches and dispatches with all the media moves. Brickman from Lego Masters will be with us and we'll open the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You are listening to TV Black Box. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lego Masters is back on nine, uh, as we talked about next week. And for season four, they've had the benefit now of mostly a non-COVID-affected production schedule, like all of the other shows. Uh, it was a great opportunity to have a chat with Ryan Brickman McNaught, uh, one of the hosts of Lego Masters for Nine, and I managed to grab him just before he started filming something else. Here he is talking to me in his car. Ryan Brickman McNaught, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Brickman, I have to start with uh, holding you to account, actually. Um, my family Uh-oh. and I went to your, I think it was your Lego Cities exhibition that was held in Sydney at, at Centrepoint Tower. Amazing displays. Uh-huh. Absolutely incredible. And there was this phenomenal um, all-white New York sort of Manhattan, you know, uh, 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 building, uh, and it looked incredible. And it has my wife and daughter absolutely perplexed. There was one red brick in a sea uh-huh. of white. They want to know why yes. it was there. Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for special meeting. They're thinking maybe that's a place you stayed before. <laughs> They're going, what happened no. at this intersection? No, just a thing. It's... um. Uh, look, I, I kind of do it in all of my Lego models, to be honest. Mm. I'm not talking about a red brick, but I'm talking about just little Easter eggs, things that are a bit different or a bit unusual or things that make you think or things you've got to look for. It just it, it adds that whole, you know, another layer of fun. And so, yeah. yeah, I just like doing quirky, unusual things like that. So I apologise for the mental anguish <laughs> that I may have caused. <laughs> oh, no, don't apologise. It's been amazing. Um the, the only thing that it's brought on is a little bit of anguish for me because they've been at me. You're talking to Brickman. We have to find out. We have to know. That's brilliant. Easter eggs yeah. are golden. I mean, we loved um, looking in each of the um, Japanese towers in that build to look for the little Godzilla. Yep. It's a golden. thing. Um, yeah. And, and you know, even uh, it's funny, speaking of Japanese ones, I, I made a big Japanese temple a few years ago mm-hmm. and it was like hiding ninjas like behind every pot plant, there was a ninja and, you know, all Excellent. those kind of things. So just, just um, a little stuff like that makes our Lego models a lot more fun. Look, it sure does. And we see that play out in Lego Masters. As I said, now we're coming into season four. This has been uh, look, a bonanza for nine. And I think, I'd love your opinion on this, coming off the back of a resurgence of it being okay for adults to play with Lego. What do you think? Oh, look, definitely. I think many years ago, I think the Lego... Um, movie back when it mm. first sort of came out. It was sort of the 
the entree to that, if you like, and it kind of brought Lego back into popular culture. I mean, Lego's always been, you know, had a place in pop culture with Star Wars or Harry Potter or these sorts of things. You know, it's always had a place. But to sort of bring it mainstream again and to also remind us adults that creativity and play is okay for us. It's not something that gets driven out of you as a child, you know, which is kind of the case nowadays to a certain degree. So it kind of, it, 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 I won't say it validated, but it authorized us adults <laughs> to have a good time again. So, so um, yeah, I, it's not solely responsible for it, but I guess it helped, you know. Oh, absolutely. And there's a cupboard in my room uh, that is full of things that allow me to feel authorized. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and even to a degree of things like, um, you know, Lego is great for lots of stuff, but on Lego yeah. Masters, we kind of pride ourselves in things like the creative process. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that people go through and the, the 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 challenges of being creative on demand, which is what we ask our contestants to do. So it, it kind of transcends Lego a little bit, but Lego is the medium in which we, we celebrate and work with. And it's so great. And the even the variety of personalities that we see in the contestants uh, on the show, there's such a great connection with, uh, you know, people that have been Lego fans their whole life, they've just grown up playing with the brick and, and those sorts of things, or some that have come to it late, re, like found it and fallen in love with it. And and the, the notion that in building, it's a unique and, uh, look, I'll call it a new way to express yourself in an art form that hasn't really been appreciated, isn't it? Oh, that, that's exactly right. Um, and it's funny, every contestant we have is so different. And so with those differences comes different forms of creativity mm-hmm. and different passions and different things. As you talk about, you know, there's fans that have loved Lego forever and there's fans that are, that are relatively new to it. And, and with that comes preconceptions or, or different things like that. So, I mean, even this series, which made it great, we had, we had a contestant, Kirsty, who's just one of the most creative people you could ever meet, but she'd never watched the show before. Oh, right? Wow. So she, yeah, I know, crazy. So, so as a ta- as as a thing, her coming onto the show, she didn't have any preconceived ideas, and and in some instances that definitely worked in her favour. Yeah, and in some instances it didn't work <laughs> in her favour at all because she didn't know that Hamish was going to come around and pester her nonstop for hours on end. So, um, you, you, just watching that process is really amazing. It really is. It's, it's, look, and it is so fun. Poor Kirsty, because I've got to say, part of the joy that we see in the edited format, because these builds take hours to process, don't they? Some of these challenges go on for a couple of days, days. to build them. Days, totally. Yep. To have Hamish coming in, let's say pestering is probably a nice way of putting it, <laughs> regularly through the process to get, you know, to add to some content and to help, you know, keep it light and, and build it in. I'm sure it's something that if you have never seen the show, at some point you'll be saying, Hamish Blake, go away. <laughs> well, yeah, look, uh, yes, you are you are right, but I'll, 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 te- I'll temper that. I will temper that with a counter-argument. Sure. So what, whilst I understand Lego and mm. the technical components of Lego and how that works, Hamish is an incredibly creative individual. And so often, particularly storytelling, plays a big part in our, the quality of our Lego builds and, and yes. you know, the process on Lego Masters. And Hamish, tell, Hamish is an incredible storyteller. So often what he will talk to contestants about and and go through a process about is incredibly valuable 
in the process too. So whilst he comes along and makes a joke and is very funny and that kind of stuff, he's actually incredibly helpful to our teams too. So we, we can't, I guess, dismiss that either. Sure. And and look, I, I completely acknowledge that. Absolutely. It's in that storytelling that I think is probably, you know, playing building uh, Lego and the Lego Masters, you know, show that we get to love and appreciate. That storytelling nature is so important and so valuable because in it, quite often, we get to see hints of people's personality and even hints of their own story in that, don't we? Yeah, yeah definitely do. And and that's that's really important. And even more so, it's important particularly for the viewer who's watching the show, that they follow that storytelling journey. Like a good Mm. story doesn't just go instantly. Bang, here's a good story. A good story evolves. And and as teams change their story and develop their story, it's important that during each episode they follow that and understand that. And Hamish is the person that elicits that out of the teams, which which is great. So the benefit of season four in a post-COVID production schedule means that Lego Masters gets to be bigger. It gets to be out and about a little more. What kind of exciting things can we look forward to in the new season? Well, uh, a couple of firsts this season. First off is we got to leave the studio, so amazing. which is pretty pretty amazing. Um, look, in the past we've thought about leaving the studio, but we've never found a compelling reason why. Like, mm. why do you need to leave the studio? Because because it's about well, what's going on inside the studio. Why is it so cool? And, you know, let's be honest, we're in an Aladdin's cave in, oh, yeah. on Lego Masters in terms of the Lego. So why, why would we want to leave that? Why would we, you know, and all the mystery and everything happens in there. So we needed some good reasons. And, we, and fortunately, we found a couple of good reasons why that actually made sense as far as the challenges and things mm-hmm. go. So I think I think that was important that we found that. And, and with that, gave us opportunities to increase our storytelling um, as well as the contestant storytelling. Yeah. And and we will get to uh, appreciate that and enjoy that, you know, well, I think it's three nights a week or a couple of nights a week at least, when it kicks off this coming Monday on Channel 9, Lego Master 7.30 on 9. Brickman, a couple more questions if it's okay. Um, The first one is how do you stop Hamish from stealing Lego? Because he's <laughs> just he's keen on it. So there's there's two components to this. The first part is prevention. That's <laughs> the first strategy, right? So keeping him distracted distracted yeah. on the floor is a good thing. And then there's after prevention fails, which inevitably it does. It's about the wash up afterwards. So for example, say at the end of each day. Shaking him upside down and all the Lego falls out of him <laughs> is probably probably the easiest way afterwards. Um, but the, fortunately for us, we do have a lot of Lego in the brick pit, so it, it's it's. I won't say it's not noticeable, but I think we're going okay. <laughs> Just the after the post production pat down always helps, right? Yeah, that, that's the yeah. And unfortunately, there's no metal detector for Lego, so we can't like wave it over him to, <laughs> to find out where the stuff is. You know. Except, well, and I'm sure there's a few crevices he could secrete it in, but that's between him and his wife. Uh, the, well, he does. He, he he rides his bike most days to to the show, so that would be very difficult. Oh, mm, uncomfortable, um, Ryan. You're also someone who, uh, uh, you know, as a Southern Hemisphere Lego expert, you're a guy that builds Lego for a living. So while you know hosting the show with Hamish is important, you also, with your team, design, build, deliver these incredible. Um, displays as I talked about it at the, the start of our conversation. What's coming down the pipe for you? 
Well, um, we just finished a life-size Formula One car, which was pretty mm. epic. So that was that was for the Melbourne Grand Prix. So that was pretty fantastic. Um, obviously, a lot of the things that we work on are pretty hush hush until mm. they until they go live. But one of the things we do love working on, which we do a lot of, is obviously we make all of the the models for the Lego stores around yes. sort of the Asia Pacific region. And so um, we've got a couple of a couple of really cool things coming as far as that goes. So look forward to everyone getting to enjoy those too yeah i've got more than a couple of photos of myself and my children with some of those excellent models in some of those lego stores it's been really great um now brickman i have uh heard you in another interview suggest that uh when people get to meet you you're always you've got a a minifig on you to trade all all the time ready to go i do i do in in this auditory medium this is going to work really well i've got a minifig to trade with you here's my guy jumping out of a cake now, awesome. what can That's I expect cool. when I see you, um, when I All present right, well, this to you in mine. person? All right, well, let me just get mine. Hang on one second. Uh, uh, in in my bag. This is yeah, positive. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, no, I've got, I've got two things here. So it's a uh, construction worker girl and uh, she's got a saw. I'll show you there. There she is. That's awesome. Construction worker chick with a, with a saw. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm armed. I'm fully armed and, and ready to trade at any moment. Be ready, friends. If you're ever going to be anywhere near Brickman, make sure that you've got a minifig in your pocket because he's ready totally. to go. Totally. But Ryan Brickman, McNaught Lego Master Season 4. It's going to be amazing. I've been lucky enough to see the first episode on preview and it's a cracker. Welcome back, I've got awesome. to say. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I haven't seen the first episode yet, so you're, you're one up on me. But um, Monday night, I am I so can't wait to watch it. It's, um, it's so much fun to film. And so hopefully that translates for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, it's mandatory viewing for myself, my teenagers and my wife. So we probably sit both in and well out of your demo. Uh, we can't wait to see more. Lego Masters is coming back to nine. As I said, season four, it's Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday this coming week. Uh, check your guides as to how that plays out. But thank you so much for your time, Ryan Brickman McNaught. Cheers. Thank you. And back to you, Mulk. Thanks, Mulk. It's going to be an exciting uh, series, that's for sure. And I am absolutely keen to see what they do by getting out of the Aladdin's Cave that, that Brickman spoke about, that is the Lego Master Studio. To have Lego out and about in the real world is always something that's very exciting for me, who's a fan of Lego to start with. But to see it and to see it in the the kind of ginormous ways that they're doing it is just spectacular. It's going to be so fun. I do believe, however, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. Sarah. Thanks, Mark. Sports presenter Abby Jelby is joining the 7 News Melbourne team. Abby already works across seven sports offerings, but will present it nightly on the 6 o'clock bulletin. She's also set to be in the Commonwealth Games commentary box. <laughs> Staying with Seven, and the network has announced it's joined the UN's Women's Unstereotype Alliance. Seven says it's all about creating a world with no stereotypes, empowering people from all walks of life. The Australian chapter was set up in November 2020-21 and follows the announcement last month of Seven West Media being named an employer of choice for gender equality. The much-talked-about float of Foxtel on the stock exchange has been parked until at least the end of next year. News Corp was hoping to raise a billion dollars from the move, but hesitation from investors in streaming services is just one of the reasons the Fox stock won't float. 
The Seven Network's chief reporter, Chris Reason, has been awarded the prestigious Harry Gordon Memorial Award for his reporting at the Tokyo Olympic Games. The Australian Olympic Committee recognised a journalist for his special report on the showdown between Australia's Ariane Titmus and US legend Kate Ledecky. It's the first time a television journalist has won the award. Congratulations, Reason, from all of us here at TV Black Box. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. We're going to whiz through the TV binge box today. Robbo, what have you been watching? But checked out the Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix, Jimmy Savile, a British horror story. I haven't been Uh, able to do it. Mm. It certainly lived up to its name. It is shocking and at times incredibly confronting. It is brilliantly produced uh, and is definitely worth a watch, but just be prepared. Uh, It is some pretty harrowing viewing, and that's on Netflix. Uh, After your uh, confession of watching Wheel of Fortune, the US version, Rob, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, and I only watched Burjo years of Wheel of Fortune. I know there were a few (laughs) other hosts, uh, but there are a few full episodes on on YouTube, and they are fantastic. I miss, te- I miss television like that. It's no Burgess uh, you know, catchphrase, but I mean, I hear you. Oh, no, I don't, no, I don't want to watch that either. I tried to get into that. Nah, Has Burjo ever had a successful show when he hasn't had the mo? Well, that's, you know, that's that's the big question on everyone's <laughs> lips, uh, certainly on my lips, and it's been on Burjo's lips. <laughs> or rather, it hasn't. It's funny, though, because bars in the US will always have, like, old episodes of Wheel of Fortune and The the Price is Right playing just randomly in the background. Oh, I like that. It's visual. Keen on that. You, don't have, you don't need audio. And I watched Hush on Netflix. It's a horror movie. It's about a deaf and mute girl being terrorised in the woods. Watch it at night time, late at night by yourself. It's fun. Ooh, Malky. I've been actually surprisingly busy and I didn't get to stray from uh, my normal viewing schedule. So I didn't get to preview anything. I've got heaps that I'm planning to watch over Easter uh, and get into stuff that I'm really excited about. I finished off uh, The Dropout on Disney Plus and it just, it made me angry in the right way. Like these people that take advantage of others and, you know, uh, just rip people off absolutely confound me. Uh, And I'm here to watch every piece of both uh, documentary and dramatised fictional story about them that I can get my hands on. Um, Severance has been an amazing series on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's just finished its first season, uh, and I will not spoil it at all. So all I will say is watch it. It's great. Okay. Adam Scott's in it. Um, ben Still is one of the executive producers. It, it's good, good value. Gary Oldman is a star on uh, Apple TV Plus as well in uh, Slow Horses. Um, that's it's just this delightful idea that here's this um, uh, secret section within like the spy service, and uh, Gary Oldman's in charge of all of these people that are just spies that no one knows about. It, it's it's a you'd have to call it a dark comedy. It's pretty great. I'm loving that on Apple TV Plus. Halo's disappointing me on Paramount Plus. I am glad that Picard on um, Prime Video is doing good business for season two because it's quite enjoyable. And it's I'm, fantastic. Mm, there was a moment where I thought, oh no, they've strayed into time travel and they're going to bring back some whales. But thankfully, we haven't gone that far. It was my looking favorite pretty Star Trek film yes. of all time. Star oh. Trek Four. Oh well. The Journey Home wasn't it called? The Voyage Home. The Voyage yes. Home. Yeah. Thankfully, it didn't do that. Uh, and I will offer that John Oliver was another cracker this week and the uh, the circus just keeps getting better. But uh, that's on stand last week tonight on Fox 8. Sarah, 
What have you been watching? Uh, I watched the first episode of Below Deck Down Under, and uh, <laughs> true to form, Aisha had to take a poo, um, so that was great. And because um, she just it's a below deck thing. stuff out like that. I yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah, it, she's, it literally she's like means that. No, okay. like she's this New Zealand chick, and she's like, "Ooh, that's terrible." Um, and then she'll be like, "I need to go take a poo." Um, so, like, she's just like she's just out there, and it's funny and it's hilarious. Um, and uh, but it was only the first episode that was free on Peacock, and then they wanted you to pay for it, and I don't like it that much. So, um, and then Ooh. on the airplane today, I finally got to see Coda, which is mm. the movie that won all the awards about the deaf family yep. um, on Apple TV Plus. My Sorry, mascara. what was that? Coda. It's on Apple. Ah, um, and yeah, so my <laughs> mascara. I had to like. Thankfully, I had tissues before my mascara ran down my face because there's like a moment in it which, as a hearing impaired person, it was like the most fascinating movie to me because like American movies are always very noisy. And Australian movies are very quiet and mm. you never see a movie. Like if I go into a stereo, cause I'm deaf in one ear. And when I go into a movie theater and they do the whole Dolby surround sound and I'm like, I don't get it. Like it doesn't mean anything to me cause I don't hear in stereo. Um, and so there's this moment in the movie where the parents are watching her on stage and you see it from everyone's perspective. And then the sound dims and they show it from the deaf person's perspective of someone on stage and it's just silent and all you see oh, is the cool. movement and it was just the most touching beautiful moment in the whole film and it, it like made me cry on the airplane um and so i thought that that was like just the most perfectly done film from a hearing impaired person's perspective like they finally captured it and it was really really good so if you have anybody in your life that has yep. hearing problems it is a fabulous movie to watch it, it just brings a whole other layer to it, doesn't it, Sarah? Yeah, it's, it was. It was. I could see why it won awards. It was great. I think you just Sounds broke great. Rob's and, spoilers and policy. I only wished I hadn't watched it on my tiny little iPhone because there's a lot of bits where they text each oh, other no, and I couldn't Sarah, read that's it. That's not how you watch a movie. <laughs> I was on Goodness a plane. Me. It's almost as bad plane. as me watching it in five minute chunks. I, I have to say, with that movie too. The director learned to sign. The whole crew were um, could do sign language, and it was a deaf crew. It sounds like an amazing production, except I, the sound yeah. recordist. Yeah, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> um, I have finished. Is it cake? Oh and what a finale <sighs> it was. People, people, people. Was it? Do cake? yourself a favor and watch this series. Gogglebox kicking goals. I've been going on my retro tour, Rob's retro tour, and I watched Absolutely Fabulous on UK TV. I've done a bit of Mythbusters on Prime Video. I like Mulk. I've been watching Picard. Been catching up on that. Binged over the weekend. Fab, fab, fab. Bit more Wheel of Fortune on Netflix. A bit of Petticoat Junction. Yeah, I'm with the cool Petticoat kids. Junction. Uh, and I just discovered today Zombieland. So huh. I've started watching that. I haven't finished it yet. What a great film. Yes. Double tap. Always double tap. Always Don't double watch tap. the second one. Um, how old is this film? Because I know there is a new one out. So I'm, I'm like 10 years behind, aren't it's, I? It's got to be at least 20 years old because our motto in my unit in the military was always double tap. 20 years old. Well, it's a great film. Aaron, bring us home. What have you been watching, sir? 
Well, I haven't been able to watch too much because I've been listening to uh, Rob McKnight on 4BC. So that's what I've been taking. <laughs> 20 you points suck. for you. you that's been taking suck a lot up. of my Round time. Nose. I think I can hear um, the sucking from here. Three hours a day, midday till three, <laughs> and only for what, the rest of this week, and then you miss out. Oh, absolutely. Is it, is it, but I do like I do like Sophie as well. Can, yeah, can we too. hear it but on t- the interwebs? You can. They, they do a yes. podcast each day after each episode. Just go to 4bc.com.au, hit the show's link, you'll <sighs> find 4BC Afternoons, and then you can find me on the pod. <laughs> now, just to show you how boring my life is, I have a quick, very quick Wheel of Fortune story. So the pinnacle of my life was at 15, I went over to Sydney and I went into the Wheel of Fortune audience and I actually met um, Adriana Exenides, the late Adriana. Amazing. And she gave me a big kiss on the cheek and she said, oh, you're so enthusiastic about TV. Um, and it was, a, oh, it, that's it was the pinnacle of my life. So the fact that that was the pinnacle of my life just shows you how boring my no, life is. No, no, that's a good story. Is. <laughs> and Aaron, no. any worker at Channel 7 Epping, you really didn't really work at Channel 7 until you walked through the Scene Bay dock and the wheel was sitting there and yep. you went, I'll oh, just give it a spin. Yep. It was always up just... on a wall when I was yeah. in on a Saturday. You couldn't spin yeah. it. It was like vertical. Oh, it, yes, uh, but sometimes just before they were shooting, it would be sitting out there down and you just give it a little spin. I've spun it. Mm. And I won decorative rocks. That was on the major prize round <laughs> that was on the wheel. And I had controversy when I was there. It wasn't me, but someone else in the crowd actually yelled out the answer before <gasps> it was sold. Oh, and they had to redo it. Were they so, shot? Uh, they used to quite, shoot them back but, then, uh, didn't they? No. Yeah, John, John Deeks was not happy, but no. uh, th- there it was. But what I've been watching is now... Uh, I stayed in it for the for the long, longer haul, and it paid off. Would I lie to you? Last Monday was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. It's actually getting better. Oh, okay. So that was good. Also, Barons, uh, the new ABC series, starting in a couple of weeks. It, it's really good. I, I just wonder how the audience will take it. Being on the ABC, the slot has been the home to like Mystery Road, The Newsreader, Total Control, and I guess they all have similar audiences. But the Barons is about surfing, young people. It, it is quite good, but just. Uh, a very different audience, um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I suspect it will do a lot better um, on iView. And the last one I looked at was Minx. So <laughs> everyone told me, dicks? you know, yeah, yeah, the swinging dick. So I thought, well, that only really happened mostly in episode one. Subsequent episodes were mainly had boobies in them. Not that I mind; I love boobies as well. But so um, well, you're gay, yeah? Of I course just, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Every man. Um, All gay men love boobs. It's a fact. I just don't think the storyline, though. <gasps> I know, you know, Rob, Robbo was having it for I the articles. It. And, the, you know, this, I, I just, it wasn't that great. So, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy so it So, you much didn't as I enjoy it for it the articles. You were just about the pictures. <laughs> Yeah, I and there's a couple it. of there was, there was a couple of very very big pictures too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you've got a widescreen Gosh. TV. Why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've got a pause button too. <laughs> yeah. That's all for me, Rob. Uh, yes. Happy Easter, everyone. Episode. I don't know how this episode's going to feel on the final packaged show. But it's been a weird record, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for the latest news and information on what's happening on the TV industry, exclusives, all that kind of thing, just go to tvblackbox.com.au. Sarah, Mulk, Robbo and Aaron, thank you for your time. We will see you next week on the TV Black Box. Bye. 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 Bye.
back to Petticoat Junction. Happy Easter, everyone. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.